Welcome again to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast. My name is Ross Anderson, and in this episode, I'm sharing with you the second half of a conversation that I had with Sandra Tanner. Sandra Tanner is one of the leading voices in the field of Mormon studies for the last half century, and I interviewed her at the Faith After Mormonism conference in 2019. This is the second half of the interview. You can go back and listen to the first half in our previous episode. Thanks for listening today. Now, you mentioned the anger. Yeah. Especially the deeper invested they are. What, as you, as you talk to people, along with that, what are the kind of emotional challenges that, that you've heard people voice to you as they're exiting? Well, besides the anger issue, there is uh, the sense of um, loss of... How do I tell my family, or I already told my family, <laughs> and uh, they've disinherited me or cut me off. My kids can't come over to play with my brother's kids now. You know, there's just all sorts of hurt that come from this. Well, like I mentioned earlier, my first year, year out of Mormonism, it just seemed like I cried all the time because it was always this... <sighs> How could you do this to us? How could you ruin your family? How could you break up our eternal union? Uh, guilt. Everyone kept pushing guilt on me all year long. And I didn't have any Christian friends. I didn't have anyone to turn to. I didn't have any mentor. I was out there, dumb young married girl, didn't know zip, you know, and I'm just trying to struggle through all this. So we all need to be showing friendship and acceptance to those that are struggling and to have the patience that as they try to work through these issues, they aren't going to see everything at once. They aren't going to understand everything at once. I bet most of you didn't understand it all at once. And we tend to forget sometimes after we've been out a while, we didn't just accept it all right off the bat either. It was a process. And we have to have the patience with our family and friends that are going through the process. Uh, people will say to me, how come they can't see? And I said, well, how long did it take you to see? Did you accept that right off the bat? Well, no. <laughs> well, you can't expect your family to either. <laughs> right. I think that's really true. I think that's very wise. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned loss, and that's really interesting to me. So I'd like to maybe elaborate on that a little bit together. Let's think about what are some of the people lose family connections. Mm -hmm. They lose relationship connections. Somebody, I don't remember who shared this with me yesterday, but uh, last night, but the idea of you lose your special place in the universe. You go from, somebody said from hero to zero. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're, you know, you're God in embryo and, and maybe a priesthood holder and suddenly now you're a sinful worm, you know? Um, <laughs> That, that's hard to lose a sense of my heritage and my yeah. family stories and lore and my place in the community. And so um, any other thoughts on like, like some of the sense of loss that people face? Well, when I was 16, I had my, or 15, whatever it was, I got my patriarchal blessing. And when, and then after the patriarch gave me my blessing, then they mail it out to you, at least back then, they mailed it later to me. And the day that came in the mail, it was so exciting. This was like God had sent me a letter. 
And I was home alone, and I went in the front room and read that letter and just cried. Isn't this wonderful? I am the special child of God with this great destined future. One of the funny things in it is it says uh, that my home will be adorned with the products of my own creation. <laughs> I don't think he thought of books, but <laughs> back then Mormon women were all busy making purple grapes or something for their coffee table. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, out of marbles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, but yeah, so that when you have those different kind of things happen and as you grow up in Mormonism, it, it gives you this sense of... Uh, of the specialness you hold in the world uh, that, that we are God's people. And in a, liter a literal way, I remember in college, I sat next to this Jewish guy who was really cute. And uh, you can tell I was very deep. <laughs> this is psychology. And here's this darling Jewish guy next to me who didn't give me the time of day and I thought, oh, if he only knew I was really Jewish. Uh, <laughs> because my patriarchal blessing said I'm from Ephraim, right? You know, so I'm really Jewish. And if he only knew, he'd probably look at me. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't try to tell him. <laughs> yeah, he might look at you all right. I yeah. thought about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So. I remember, I, I never got a patriarchal blessing. All my brothers and sisters did. That's, I'm sure that's why I left the church. Must apostatized. be, there you are. <laughs> but, so I, I didn't have that special blessing. Um, yeah, so I think that's good to be aware of the loss issue, and we're going to face that as part of the journey. The emotional well, issues are part of the journey. See, now, I didn't have the situation of getting married in the temple, but people that have, this is a real loss they face or a real fear they face. You mean I won't be married? I won't have my mate? And this holds them back from leaving Mormonism because of their, they had, it, heaven to them was this eternal marriage relationship and they would lose this. So that's hard for people that have been counting on it to face that that won't be a part of heaven. Right, yeah. That, that really leads to my next question, really, because I'm curious about your observations about what are the toughest doctrinal issues that people choke on or grapple with. And, you know, the afterlife is certainly one of them. I think the preexistence is related to yes. that. And, but what are some, let's talk about some of the doctrinal challenges that people have a hard time either giving up or accepting Trinity would be probably the hardest one to deal with. Yeah. Uh, for me, it wasn't in this. Well, we backed out through the Book of Mormon, so mm -hmm. we were modalists. <laughs> for those who know theological terms, we were modalists at first and gradually came into to the Trinity mm -hmm. through that route. Most Mormons don't go that kind of route. They go straight from uh, plural gods to have to narrow it down to just the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But Trinity is one of the really hard ones, pre-existence, uh, marriage for eternity, uh, the connection of family. Mm, yeah. The idea that there isn't three levels of heaven. Yeah, I've noticed that too. But that, that's a, a challenging for people emotionally mm -hmm. to realize that my 
grandparents who are passed mm -hmm. away, does that mean they're not going to heaven? Yeah. You know, what does that mean for, for my, for my uh, family members eternally? That, that's challenging right. conceptually and emotionally. Yes, and I put to them, we don't get to pick and choose what we believe. We ha if we're going to be Christians, we have a manual, and it's called the New Testament. And so whatever we're going to believe has got to be in there. If it's not in the manual, then it's not going to be part of the picture. Um, as far as what happens to our families in the past, I have to leave that with God because it's, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. It's going to be whatever way God's going to do it. And it's past my ability to do anything about it. Baptism for the dead isn't going to work for anybody. And I just have to leave that with the Lord. We know what's required of us. We know what God said for us to do. That's the area we can have uh, a chance to change the outcome. And we have to leave the dead with God. And I don't make a judgment call on their families to say, oh, well, your dad went to hell or your grandparents went to hell. That's with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I say, let's make sure you aren't going there <laughs> uh, and leave the rest to God. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the Trinity is really tough. I mean, it's, it's tough for all of us mm -hmm. conceptually. Right. But I mean, I, I, I can't explain how it works. How God can be one God in three, eternally existing in three persons. I can explain the biblical basis mm -hmm. for why we believe it, right. but I can't. I can't satisfy anybody's intellectual desire to know how it works. One of the things I remind the Mormons is they can't explain their God either. Great point. I mean, God's got a wife, at least one, and maybe a lot. Uh, and he's got grandparents and great-grandparents. He's got in-laws. And he's got brothers all over the universe also running their worlds. I mean, how do you explain all that? So who's the first god? Mm -hmm. If every god's got a mom and dad, where do you get the first one? And they tell us there wasn't a first one. There's this eternal, infinite regression of gods. Well, how are they giving me a picture of God that is easier to understand? Right. Than the right. Trinity. It's not right. that they had an easy answer and I got a difficult one. They got a difficult one. Just difficult in different ways. In different yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and then, yeah. And then I always remind people that God is infinite and I'm finite, and I will I expect there to be certain things about God that I can't grasp. And right. Instead of instead of heartburn, that brings me to a place of worship before yeah. this infinite God. But I also say, you know, that the Trinity is really the only view of God, the only thing that, that takes into account everything that God has revealed about himself in scripture. Right. So that, that helps me. It doesn't help me understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me explain it to some extent. One, one, go ahead, Sandra. Go ahead. Uh, when I think about the differences here in Christianity, God, one God who is infinitely existing as God. The Mormon view is there's an infinite number of beings becoming gods for all eternity. So it's a totally different concept. And scripture has nothing that backs up an idea of an infinite number of beings that are going to become gods. It's all through the Bible that there's only one God who's eternally existed. Right. And so I think you pointed out a minute ago that 
with some of these doctrines, there is an emotional connection, so there's a sense of loss, yeah. a sense of loss of um, eternal marriage or eternal family and so forth. And I think part of what I'm trying, what I try to do when I'm sharing with people is to show them that really what they're, they're gaining, there's, there's gain to follow the biblical. It's not like you step down from varsity right. <laughs> to junior varsity idea of heaven. Yeah. But, but this, this picture of heaven that we get where there isn't marriage is, yeah. but there, there's so much more. Right. right. So, and, and then I also like to make fun of the, <laughs> sorry, uh, the idea that like, so if you're sealed to your parents and you're sealed to your kids, who are you actually with? It's like, we can't even figure out where to spend Christmas. Yeah. Whose in-laws to go to, you know, so I don't know how they do it in eternity. Right. And this gets back to the problem of polygamy, which the church today won't talk about. But the president of the Mormon church today is uh, a widower from his first wife, has remarried in the temple. And if Mormonism were true, he would be a polygamist in heaven. That's what he's looking forward to. The next guy up is Dallin Oaks. He outlived his first wife, is, has remarried in the temple, and he would be looking forward to having both wives in eternity. So polygamy is not a dead issue. And in fact, it's something that many women today in Mormonism are struggling with because they know if they die first, their husband may remarry and it will mean polygamy for them. And this scares them. There's a whole book out on the ghost of polygamy for, written by a Mormon lady talking about the struggle that many Mormon women are having with this concept. And so then the church leaders just say, oh, well, God will work it out. You don't need to worry about it. It'll all be fine. Well, but how can it be fine? My great grandpa had five wives and children. It is uh, a difficult thing. How are you going to have these five different families not be with the father? Does that mean four of these women are gonna, not gonna have a Mormon family for all eternity? Obviously, they were all counting on being a family with that husband for all eternity. Brigham Young had 55 wives and children. Who, how do you divide this all up? If there isn't going to be eternal union for each of those women, then what have they bought into? It's a false hope for them. It's a very confusing doctrine. Then in today's world, you got yours, mine, and ours where you have divorced couples that were sealed in the temple, they get divorced and they get remarried and maybe remarried in the temple, more kids. How do you make any of this work? And it just becomes an impossible mess. Yeah, point, I think point being for us is that those emotional connections to those, uh, those doctrinal ideas, really that thinking, help thinking those through and realizing that what, what the Bible has is also, is emotionally satisfying and it's true. And so, well, yeah. I like to think of heaven in the sense of, like if you go to a symphony or something like that, where, where you're so wrapped up in the music and enjoying the experience, you're glad that you have your family with you in the pew, but your focus isn't on your family. The focus is on the symphony. So heaven, to me, is the idea that it will be God 
and I will be sitting there glad that my loved ones are with me, but they aren't the focus. It's God. Mm -hmm. And until you fall in love with God, heaven doesn't look that good to you as a Mormon because your heaven only included your family. It's when you fall in love with God that you say, wow, I get to be with God, the, the creator of the universe. People say to me, oh, that sounds so boring just to be with God, you know. And I said, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I've had Mormons yeah. say that to yeah. me. Uh, oh, boring, you know. And I said, the creator of the universe, try to think of who, if you were going to be on a desert island, who would you want to be with? You would want to be with someone that was really interesting, right? <laughs> I mean, how do you get more interesting than God? <laughs> so... I think that's a fantastic thing to spend eternity with God. And I hope I have all my family and friends along for the ride, but that will not be my focus. Yeah, this, this is in a couple of, of other doctrine issues that I, I think seen people struggle with. One is um, just the nature of church. And yeah. the other one, even beyond the cultural issues, but just what is church, the church. And the other one is grace. Yes. Any thoughts? On the church area, uh, yeah, you could be a Christian and sit home in your front room uh, and just read your Bible, but you are not fulfilling the picture of the Christian experience that we see in Scripture, which envisions the support of one another, that when I'm down, you're able to encourage me. When you're down, I'm able to encourage you. We help each other in our walk with God. When we have our bad times, our struggles in life, there's someone there to walk through it with us. And the Bible calls us to be there for one another, to strengthen them. And that becomes the family. And I think it was mentioned before by people here that, that the church is their family. I mean, you become connected to these people in your local congregation like family. We all need a support group and the church is there for that. Uh, and hopefully you're, you're in a healthy church where you will find that kind of support. But uh, when Gerald and I left Mormonism, we visited around different churches, but we didn't have a church home. We did not actually commit ourselves to a church as members for uh, maybe nine years after we left Mormonism before we committed to a church. Membership was very hard for us. Mm -hmm. The, you know, once fooled <laughs> and you, you just, you hold back on uh, that kind of commitment again, I, you know. Yeah. But we finally, the pastor talked to us, and we finally saw the value and the scriptural basis for being a part of a support group and uh, ministering to one another. I think many ex-Mormons float uh, and never settle down somewhere. You need to be in a consistent study group mentoring under a pastor's direction because that'll help you grow. If you don't settle down to some place, it's easy to make your own religion. 
uh, and and ignore certain parts right. <laughs> and just make it oh it's just you know whatever I want. Um, and I think there's a discipline to uh, going regularly to a particular congregation, being responsible to other people, being a support to other people. So we finally joined a church, but it was uh, wasn't the first thing in our minds. Right. And that makes sense given the nature of the journey. Now you mentioned the things that happen in a church community like that, and one of them you could be mentored or you could have a, a supportive community. I'm curious about what you think about can a person who's never been LDS effectively mentor a former Mormon? What would be the obstacles if so? Well, I think they can, but they need to be someone who understands the issues. Because I find too often someone, especially if you get away from Utah, um, in other churches, they don't know enough about Mormonism. They don't realize our odd cultural hangups. And to a lot of church people, especially outside of Utah, there is this feeling of, yeah, it's, it's like uh, being Baptist and, and becoming Nazarene or becoming Presbyterian or something. You just switch churches. You know, like, get over it. What's your problem? <laughs> uh, or you are in a cult. Now move on. You know, and they don't understand there's a lot of family issues here that it isn't just changing your belief system it's this cultural baggage and family and we never get away from it I still have Mormon family that are active in the church and wearing their garments uh, I'm sure I am a trial to them but <laughs> uh, I remember a few years after I left the church, my sister thought she was being very uh, magnanimous and broad-minded. She said to me, Sandra, I just want you to know I can finally admit in Relief Society that you're my sister. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so there, there's just, you know, we got more baggage to deal with that a lot of times outsiders don't understand. However, hopefully in Utah, <laughs> Uh, our church people have a better appreciation of that. But if they've been through studies to where they have a knowledge, I think they can be a mentor. But it takes a sensitivity to the cost these people are going to go through and the struggle, ongoing struggle, they'll have with their families. And many times people will say, well, just get over it. You know, we don't get over it because we don't walk away from everyone we love and know. So it's, but I think they can mentor if they have a understanding of the issues and have done some study into it. Right. So and uh, they have to an understanding and compassion kind yeah. of put together. That that's really good. So when do you think a former Mormon is ready to minister or to mentor other former Mormons? <laughs> We have to watch in putting former Mormons too quickly forward into ministry because we come with a lot of baggage and it's going to take time for us to sort that out. 
Uh, now, I think there's a little difference between being a mentor or buddy to someone coming out of Mormonism and being in a leadership position of, say, a support group or something. Right. Or even beyond that, maybe a public platform. A public platform, yeah. We have to be careful that you don't put someone forward too quickly into uh, public ministry because we just have things we need to settle and think through. It takes time. Uh, Gerald and I... <laughs> It took us a number of years just to figure ourselves where we were at and what we believed. Uh, I remember the first time a Christian asked me, uh, are you pre-trib or post-trib? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I never heard these words, you know. So uh, it takes time to sort all these kinds of things out. I'm still working on that one, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so don't ask me. <laughs> but... Uh, there is a struggle there of getting to the point of uh, understanding where you came from enough to help somebody else. I think all of us, immediately after leaving Mormonism, becoming Christian, we have something to share with someone else. The question would be leadership. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So you have hundreds of titles at the bookstore. Yes. <laughs> Just, I'd love to go in there and look around. If you haven't been there, you'll enjoy it. So um, give us a sense of maybe what might be some of the things that are in the store that would be the most helpful for someone coming out who's kind of on a trajectory now. Um, maybe some of maybe a few things that might be helpful in different ways, but what might be the most helpful if, if these guys were to show up, uh, what would you point them to? Well, I think uh, we have several titles that are addressed specifically for the Mormon, after they've accepted the Lord, to go forward and find a church, or how to go forward in Christianity after Mormonism. And uh, one is Janice Hutchinson's book, out of the cults and into the church. Um, and it's a very good, former Mormon, and she gives a very good overview and help to the person struggling to fit in to a church after Mormonism. And another one is um, a guy with the last name of Wallace, was it John, uh, does the book um, Starting at the Finish Line. Right. Meaning, the finish line is finishing with Mormonism, and now you're starting on your journey of faith. And uh, it helps you with understanding those steps and the things that you will struggle with as you leave. Uh, but we have uh, several different titles that would deal with those kinds of issues. Okay, that's helpful. And, and what's interesting that's new at the store? <laughs> um, well... We have several uh, former Mormons stories, uh, like Lisa today with her new book, and uh, Tracy uh, with Tenet with her book. There's uh, several helpful books of people coming out of Mormonism. So there's a whole gamut of uh, books on doctrine, personal experience, um, how do I navigate after the church, uh, books that give you uh, resources, like um, 
where does it say that? So photos out of the Journal of Discourses with all kind of crazy things early church leaders said. Uh, you have Bill McKeever's book on uh, In Their Own Words, where you have quotes from the different Mormon authorities through the years on different topics, so that if you say something to someone, you can pull up a Mormon reference on it to show what the Mormon position is on something. Uh, so there's a lot of helpful things that way. There's all kind of historical studies that'll help you in uh, figuring out where Mormonism went astray and how to document it to your family. Okay, great, helpful stuff. Um, two more questions, kind of finalizing. One final question for people who are on a journey and a, and a final question for people who want to help them. Okay, so, so what would be one more thing or one last thing that you would like to say to people who are on the journey out of Mormonism? What's a key thing for them? It gets better. You will cry less. There is hope. <laughs> there is life after Mormonism. You can find friends again. You'll have to recreate your family, possibly, but uh, if you're in a Christian environment, you will find new friends that will be a real help <clears throat> to walk you through all of that. And th that's so exciting today because we didn't have any of that. <clears throat> I had no mentor. I had no friend. Uh, it was years before those things developed for us. Uh, so don't despair that where you're at today or where you're at with your family is the way it's going to always be. Through the years, we've seen many of our family come to faith in Christ. So it, it took time. I mean, we didn't see it overnight. But uh, both sets of our parents uh, made professions of faith in Christ before they died. Um, Half of our families, of our siblings, have come out and become Christians. Uh, a lot of our cousins have become Christians. Some of our aunts and uncles have become Christians. But we're talking years. It's been 60 years, people. <laughs> but we've seen so much of that change in the family. The young reunions are no longer a Mormon gathering for our young uh part of the young family. It's totally changed. Now the temple-wearing, garment-wearing crowd are the minority, not the majority. So uh, have hope. It will get better. And then what was the other yeah, one? Yeah, the other one is, so what would be one final thing that you would want to share with those who are interested in helping the former Mormons on their journey? Well, try to get involved in one of the um, ministry groups that are doing outreach, uh, and there's several out in the lobby there that uh, you could come alongside with and read some of the different uh, books that they've put out on how to help mentor former Mormons. There is always a need for someone that's equipped and ready to understand the person coming out of Mormonism and they will be coming into your church. They, it will happen. We are seeing a uh, steady stream of people coming out of Mormonism. There is a sense of 
disillusionment or emptiness for many people in Utah. And we need to prepare ourselves to be ready when they do walk in our door that we can offer them support, help, understanding, patience, and friendship. Uh, I mean, like I've said before, when I left, I was just so lonely. I lost everyone, all my friends, all my support group. And I would have given anything to have had a former Mormon or a Christian that understood Mormonism come alongside and invite me out for lunch, not coffee. I wouldn't have, <laughs> I, I wasn't ready for that yet. <laughs> But to have just been a friend to invite us over or just to spend time with me, uh, a friendly face is really important when all your whole family is beating up on you. Yeah. Amen. That's so true. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your faithfulness over the years. Thanks for writing Shadow or Reality. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, amen. Which my girlfriend dumped on my lap in 1974 and um, let, me, let me out. Um, and thanks for sharing with us today. Yeah. So great. Thank yeah. you much. Thanks for tuning in today to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast. We encourage you to go back and look at our previous episodes for some great information and interesting material. And we look forward to inviting you to tune in again uh, next week to Unveiling Mormonism on PursueGod.org.